Hey everyone, I'm Mark Robinson. I'm running for the North Carolina State Senate, representing Charlotte's District 39. I'm also your host for the Elephant in the Room podcast, and we tackle issues that a lot of folks are thinking about, but no one seems to be talking about. That's actually not the case today. Everybody is talking about and a victim of inflation. Uh, we like to say it's uh, it's the 70s again, but without the Wi-Fi, it's uh, it seems like every Thing is getting more expensive, and um, I'm very happy today to have somebody that's going to know and tell us a little bit about this and how they're affected. Um, my guest is Charlotte restaurateur Paul Bell, uh, and he is owner of various restaurants around the Charlotte metro area, and I uh, would just thank you for being here, Paul. Well, I'm honored that you asked me to chat with you today, Mark, and look forward to our discussion. Great. Well, listen, what restaurants do you run? And I think you've been involved in quite a few around the Queen City. I have. I'm re responsible for two in Charlotte. That would be Providence Road Sundries, <clears throat> which has been around since 1933. And then also Lebowski's Neighborhood Grill on East Boulevard. And I say I'm responsible, but I have to give all the credit to my wife. She does the, the hard work and handles stuff on a daily basis. And um that's that's it? the case with both of us <laughs> right right well so to kind of dive right into it i mean I, I think most americans and certainly charlatans seem to agree that inflation uh is affecting the most and i mean most through high gas prices and of course groceries um so being in the restaurant business i would think that you know, that second area is going to be magnified for you uh, since you not only have to pay a lot more for food that you buy, even at the, you know, the wholesale prices that you probably get. I mean, groceries in my house, I just tried to do some math. They're up about 30% just a year over year. And uh, so let me ask you, you know, you're on the ground on boots on the ground doing this. How much have prices really gone up? Yeah, you've already said it. 30% is about the the average it varies with each product and it changes on a weekly basis. So it's almost impossible to keep up with. Uh, but overall, our cost, food and paper products and cleaning supplies, you name it, they're up about 30 percent across the board. Well, you you just said uh, a lot of things that weren't food. I mean, you mentioned paper products. It sounds to me like it's not just the groceries, it's not just the food, but it seems to be spreading out uh, among pretty much everything else, too. That's exactly right. Um, we were buying a box of, uh, say, latex gloves for $35 pre-COVID, and recently they were, they were over $100 a box oh for the gosh. same quantity. And I can't tell you how many items that we wasted money on during COVID cleaning supplies, sanitizing and so forth. And, but, you know, we just had to go with uh, what they told us at the time. And now we know that you don't catch COVID from touching a doorknob or right. picking up a dollar bill. But we learned a lot during that process. But the pricing going up is it's hard to handle. And we can only increase our prices to the customers in small incremental amounts because you know you reach a breaking point you're not going to pay $25 for a hamburger right but yeah it, it's it, it it is hard to to figure out how much you can pass on to the customer before they stop coming 
You know, you just mentioned COVID. Um, I mean, there were a lot of local restaurants that failed during the pandemic. And, and when the governor shut down our economy, really back in 2020, uh, really 2020 to 2021, how did you survive? I mean, how did y'all survive the pandemic with all these government restrictions on dining uh, during that era, I guess is what it was. Well, part of the time we we didn't survive. I mean, we had to, as you say, shut down. We were forced <laughs> to by the government, not our choice. <clears throat> and our restaurants are not suitable for a, a double drive-through pickup. Um, we're constrained with land and zoning and, and other issues. We're just not a drive-through fast food type of restaurant. So we had no choice but to close and, and follow the law. And had it not been for the PPP money, we would not have survived. So as much as I hate being on the government dole and taking assistance, um, I don't feel guilty about that since it was the government that did not allow us to work for a living. Right. Um, so you did survive. You're thriving once again, and you come right out of that pandemic, and all of a sudden your prices have skyrocketed. It's like uh, one thing after another. It almost sounds like right, and it's and it's across the board. It's not just our industry, and it ties into the supply chain issues. And you know we're out of a different product every every truck delivery. We get two or three deliveries a week, and there's always something missing or short or they make a substitute and of course they substitute something that costs more than what we were buying and it's i don't know how you fix that <laughs> i really don't um well you you just mentioned something uh i think that we're we're here a lot about and i'm not sure everybody understands what it is but uh, we keep hearing about that supply chain crisis and how it's affecting the economy you just gave a good example i mean what what is that? I, it, I've heard stories, and I, I'm not sure if they're true, but um, I think about, or I heard a story recently about the port of Long Beach, California. I think that's one of the largest, or if it's not the largest port in the United States. And there were, you know, there are ships unloading uh, at the port, and you know, they're not allowing the state of California doesn't allow 18 wheelers to go in there if they're older than 10 years old because they're too pollute. They they pollute the atmosphere too much. And all of a sudden you've got all this stuff just sitting at the port with nowhere to go or no way to get anywhere. And I don't know if that affects you. May it may not. But what 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 would you say the supply chain uh, crisis is just for your restaurants, for instance? Well, we're just we never know what what we're going to be short on or what what supplies are going to be not available it changes you know weekly um for a while it was hard to get chicken wings and the price of those skyrocketed that's i come remember back that <laughs> that's come back down now but if you remember in the old days um when your mother was cooking chicken the wings were junk meat and they were thrown in the trash and it's now incredible. they're they're available in every restaurant and they're a staple and everybody loves them. And we have some of the best in town. Um, I'll, you, I'll agree with that. We've just had to be flexible, Mark. And while we may have a hundred thousand dollar problem, uh, say us foods and Cisco, the big food suppliers, they've got, a, you know, million and billion dollar problems spread out across the country with this. And I think, uh, 
you know, a combination of COVID and the changes in demand and everybody staying home and hunkering down and now they're back out and spending all of that money that the government gave everybody, um, you know, from redecorating homes to yeah. making improvements on everything. Um, and I think it's going to settle down and I think you're starting to see oversupplies of a lot of products and in, in stores and you're not going to redo your kitchen, but once you're not going to do that every few years. Right. So that'll calm down, but, but basic food and meals that you have to consume and use every day. Uh, we just tackle it one day at a time and see what's missing and how to substitute and how to make menu changes and, uh, try to stay ahead of it. I would almost think that the menu changes. I mean, what, what it sounds to me like is that the volatility has skyrocketed for you. In other words, you just mentioned a truck pulls in and you don't know what's not going to be there or what they've replaced uh, one item for another. And all of a sudden it's a lot more expensive. So, you know, I would think that your, uh, your servers probably have to do a lot more explaining when they bring the menus and say, well, we're out of this, but we have this. And, um, it just seems to me like uh, the volatility is a lot higher in terms of not only your pricing, but just what's available. That's true. And um, I'm glad you mentioned servers because <clears throat> I'd like to talk about them for a minute. I'm changing Absolutely. the subject on you a little bit, but <clears throat> we care about our staff uh, a lot. And we want to make sure that right. that not only they make a decent wage, but they make a good living and they don't have to have a second and third job. And our servers really pride themselves on taking care of their customers. Right. And they're in the hospitality business and people forget that. And um, so they've had to do a lot of explaining and saying, please be patient. We're short staffed today and, you know, we'll be right with you. We're, right. we're doing all we can. And, um, and it's been really interesting during COVID uh, most people are understanding and more patient and more generous. And then there's a few who aren't and just are rude and demanding and right. Not very good tippers and, and so forth. But <clears throat> I don't know. I've gotten a lot of pleasure out of the few times I'll go through a fast food drive through and maybe I just order one single item and the bills six or $7 and you give the person at the window a $10 bill and say, keep the change. And they count it out and they hand it to you. And you go, no, no, that's for you. Just take it. Thank you for working today. And you get the biggest smile on their face. I bet and you do. It's just, it's so rewarding to let those people know that they're appreciated for staying out there in the real world and working yeah. and not hiding behind a computer at home. Well, it, you, you mentioned, you know, short staffed was was kind of the key word there was the fact that, uh, you know, when you're short staffed, that makes it even harder, obviously, for the people that are that are willing to come come to work. And, you know, since before COVID, it seems like the labor market and I'm going to go down and say that, especially with with uh, the restaurant industry, you know, that changing labor market really has affected everybody. I mean, the, the government checks that were sent out to millions of Americans during the pandemic, you know, those ran out, but it seems like restaurants are especially having that hard time 
finding them and retaining employees. And you did mention short staffed. Are you finding that to be true? It's extremely true. <clears throat> My wife and I had a board of directors meeting this morning and that was the subject matter. And we just cannot find enough staff, people that, that want to work and make a career of it. And it's not the, the money we're paying well above market and they make good money. Um, people are just leaving the hospitality industry. Um, are you, some, did they ever tell you where they're going? Yeah. And it, it's all across the board. You have the obvious answers like they're working for Amazon or right. Lowe's or Target or they're Uber drivers or something like that. But we had one guy who was a computer whiz and, you know, the OnStar system in your car that comes oh, on yeah. if you're lost. Yeah. Well, he runs that. And so he's got a bunch of computers in his home and he can sit there and do all of that and manage that. And, and he, he enjoys it. It's a whole career change. Um, others have decided to go back to school or they get married or, right. and they don't have to work. It, it just varies all across the board, but in general, there's a huge shortage and we struggle with that daily. It seems like, I mean, it seems like it hit the restaurant industry first and all of a sudden, you know, I'm starting to see shortages. You know, you look at the, the Charlotte Mecklenburg police departments down 400 officers, right. uh, CMS, uh, our schools are down almost 400 teachers, which I found ironic. And it'd be interesting to know how many, um, how many servers that were working three years ago aren't doing it now. And you're, you're mentioning where they're going, but it almost seems like it, there's just they just vanished, but they're still there and they still need to make a living. So it's it's um, it's got to be frustrating for you. I've got I've got to assume that. You're exactly right. And I don't know the answer to that. And, you know, we try to not only offer extremely good pay, but flexibility. And we try to take care of the servers and we know them personally. We know that they have children that have to be picked up at daycare or they're caring for an elderly parent or whatever. And so we, they're in school and we accommodate their schedules to work around that, you know, so that, so that they enjoy coming to work. Right. Um, and you mentioned the, the police. I heard the police chief speak a while back and he gave an, a, an example of uh, he was pulled over for speeding when he was young and the officer was mean and rude and, um, didn't treat him very respectfully. And then, and of course that gave him a bad image of the, of police in general. Oh, yeah. And then later on he was pulled over in a different state and the officer was polite and treated him with respect and explained everything and, um, and made him feel good about getting a speeding ticket because he knew he was wrong and right. he was treated so courteously. So his goal for the Charlotte police uh, officers is for every interaction they have with the public, the public should want to say thank you. And it's all about that attitude and how you treat people. And um, so we keep trying to improve on that. Um, it's kind of that do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The goal. That's right. I mean, do good. For that's exactly right.
And, uh, and you know, I, obviously, the <laughs> I will tell you, Providence Road Sundries is is uh, one of my go-tos all the time. Love that place. Uh, and the food's amazing. But, you know, a lot of times, too, it's it's the service. I mean, when you get when you deal with people that are glad you're there, um, there's a big thing to be said for that. And it does come across in your choice of where you're going to go to eat, because so many people, you know, in the last. 10, 15 years have switched from cooking at home to going out. And, you know, I would think that the, not just a supply and demand for, um, you know, in the wholesale business, but really just the type of people that you have, that you hire, um, it's got to be very selective. And of course you're paying them a lot more now, right? Yeah. We're our, our payroll's way out of whack and it's uh, I don't know how to fix that either. And, you know, middle of the afternoon, slow times, we may have two or three people that have done all of their duties plus more. So they're just standing around, but I need to keep them on because I want them to have enough hours where right. they don't have to get another job. And then I'm going to need them later on that evening when we get busy. So it's a, it's, it's a challenge. It sounds like it's um, a major balancing act, Paul. I mean, it, it really is. And then, and then there's a whole other side to the, to our business and most that people forget about. And that's just all the regulations and the taxes and the licenses and the fees and rules that we have to comply with yeah. um, in the back office that takes up a lot of time and a lot of money. And, and I'm hoping that you Mark are going to help keep that in control when you get to Raleigh, <laughs> because I tried to list all the different taxes and licenses and fees that a small business has to pay. And it's just, it's, it's out of control. So I'm hoping you'll yep. make some regulations easier or less. Don't make any new ones. Just sort it, of let the government get out of the way so people can work for a living. Well, it seems like, and you know, I I think um, I got tired of complaining uh, year after year. You know, I've been in business in the business world for 25 years, and this is the first time I've ever run for office. And I'm hearing the same thing uh, from people: is Mark, you, if you're going to go to Raleigh, you, you need to you you've got to get government out of the way. And you know, I'm a big fan of Ronald Reagan. He used to say, you get "Government is not the answer to your problems. Government is the problem." And and I'm a big, you know, this is a a free country. This is a nation that is uh, where we elect people to be of the people, for the people, by the people, not um, this over-regulated, you know, uh, economy. Uh, Over-regulation seems like it's the problem, uh, not the solution. Um, Although, you know, you you look at what they have in mind is like, uh, I think sometimes, you know, they're, they're, uh, they have something good in mind. Uh, when there's regulations to keep people safe. But then again, it's also, hey, let's let's get some more tax revenue. And you mentioned a bunch of taxes that you're paying. So kind of on a on a happy note, I mean, if you could wave a magic wand, let's say, and make changes to what the government's approach to the economy and really, like you mentioned, small business, um, national and state level, by the way, not just Washington, but in Raleigh, to get all this under control, what would you do, Paul? Well, that's a long list. I'd, I'd start <laughs> with, uh, you know, provide, take care of the basics, um, cut down on crime, educate and improve education and 
spend money on infrastructure, stuff that's going to help everybody in the state. Um, and I don't know, just simplify some of the rules, like the, right. the whole unemployment or the employment insurance. Okay. As a small business, and we, I don't know, we have 30 or 40 employees at each restaurant. And during COVID, to help all of them get unemployment, I was spending hours on the, you know, the North Carolina, whatever it is, website. Yeah. I'd have to do it at six o'clock in the morning because it would crash and the, the forms you have to fill out and the detailed answers you have to provide, mm. you know, to help them get their unemployment. It was a nightmare. And I would assume or guess that a lot of employers just didn't even do that because um, it took a lot of time. It, it uh, sounds like it. Bureaucracy, paperwork, fees. Right, right. And I, you know, the, the payroll related taxes that we have to pay and keep up with, and then, you know, the state will audit you every so often, and then you have to hire an accountant and spend hours gathering records. And then they say, yeah, you've paid enough. It's all good. Um, it's, it, it's just a never ending nightmare of dealing with the bureaucracy and you know, everything seems to be regulated from, from that to, uh, you know, getting a liquor license. It's really right. hard to get a liquor license and the forms and the paperwork you have to fill out. And, um, and then the fees that you have to pay every year to ABC. Um, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, the ABC commission is something that I've, I'm hearing a lot. Why on the world is the government in the business of selling alcohol and not in the private sector? I mean, I, I I'm, I'm always baffled by that one, but, um, well, they've got a tough, they've got a built-in conflict. They need to sell enough to make some money to, to keep the ball rolling. And then they give half the profits or more to alcohol prevention treatment programs. So kind of like the cigarette industry 20 years ago. Right, right. <laughs> or even I, some today. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough thing for them. And everybody thinks that all at a bar yeah. or a restaurant, you just, you know, you can sell it for whatever price and you're just printing money. And I think most people don't realize that there are extra taxes and fees involved on restaurants that right. you don't have to pay. If you, if you go to the liquor store and buy a $5 bottle of vodka, you pay five bucks. Well, I pay that plus $3 and 75 cents per bottle extra. Oh, wow. It's just another form of a tax it is well it sounds to me like it just is a tax with a different name and it doesn't make sense it's it's 375 per bottle it it doesn't matter if it's a 50 dollar bottle of bourbon or five dollar bottle of something Uh, would you say the bureaucracy the paperwork all this you're describing most of what you've said comes from raleigh not washington who's worse uh, I mean, who who needs more reformation? <laughs> Is it Washington or Raleigh when it comes to your business? Uh, well, it's both, but I think it starts on a local level. And I think yeah. if we could take care of it, you know, on a city level first, but more importantly for the businesses from Raleigh on a state level, um, you know, I'm all in favor of having health inspections. We're selling food it ought to be at the right temperature and so on, but depending right. on the health inspector you get, uh, you could have a bad score for something 
so silly that doesn't make any sense. And there's a lack of common sense with some of these regulations. It's that, that, that seems to be all the way across the board. And um, yeah, hopefully we can get something done here in just uh, a few weeks until the election. And this has been really enlightening. I, I think there's always hope. I think there's a, a, a swing back to common sense on its way. Paul, hopefully we've got some some good news on the way. Hopefully we can um, get some of this uh, these burdensome regulations and and move them out. So <laughs> this has been a really good conversation, and I can't thank you enough, Paul. Uh, you know, I'm excited about you about you getting in Raleigh and taking care of some of this stuff, and just get up there and then get out of the way and just let <laughs> let the free market work. And that's right, that's right. Well, I sure that's exactly uh, what I'm planning to do. So I will need your vote and everybody else's vote in order to do that. But, um, you know, we need representation in Raleigh. Charlotte has not always been properly represented uh, in our state capitol. And I hopefully we can see a change in that, not just with me, but some other good folks that are running uh, that are running for uh, Senate in the House. So um, thanks so much, Paul. And uh, hey, thank you, Mark. I'm glad you're uh, making the commitment and sacrifice to do this. We all appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. And um, folks, all of you listening, uh, until next time, have a great day and always be on the lookout for the elephant in the room.